It's okay to make bold moves fearlessly and try to break the mold when you can. It's not a question of can you, but how are we going to? Welcome to Working Women Mentor, a podcast that empowers everyday women like you, like me, to share and learn from life's mentor moments. I am your host, Rainey Alpers, and in each episode, you will meet inspiring women that understand the power of recognizing mentor moments and how those moments can change it all. These fabulous women are here and ready to share it all with you. So let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Women Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Rainey Alfers, and today's episode is going to be a game changer for anyone looking to unlock their true potential. We have a very special guest with us today, and she's going to inspire you to embrace confidence, make bold decisions, and build a life that aligns with you and your values and your interests. Joining us is Dr. Victoria Weitzman, Dr. V as everyone knows her. She's a celebrity dentist and a trailblazer in her field. Dr. V is quite hard to get an appointment with, but we've got her for the next 30 minutes and she's going to be sharing some wonderful strategies on how she was able to become one of the most sought after cosmetic dentists in the country. She's going to talk about her journey, her belief in mentorship, because it really made a difference. It got her to where she is today. She's a remarkable woman who is giving back to her community, helping those around her. And today she's sharing with us. So let's jump in and meet Dr. V. Thank you for joining us on Working Women Mentor, Dr. V. Here she is. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing fantastic. We're really excited you're here today with us because while the world may know you for what you've already contributed, we'd love to hear your story and just a quick version of what you're working on, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you, Rainy, for having me. So as you know, I'm a cosmetic dentist. I practice in New York City and Beverly Hills. My practice naturally evolved into a strictly cosmetic practice. We focus on beauty, overall health, and really when we talk about smiles, the emotional component that comes along with smile transformations and the confidence it brings to people. So that's really what we do. We try to empower women with beautiful smiles. I think that's so simply put, but there's so much more to that. From your start at NYU, you were one of the youngest graduates from their dental program. Is that right? There has to be some secrets behind how you made that happen and how you accomplished it. Yeah, I was the youngest graduate. I graduated at 22. And to think that was a little while ago. I think it was just a series of coincidental events. I left high school a bit early and I was in an accelerated program. I kind of knew what I wanted my path to be early on. And I think that really did help. Well, and an early start always helps. But I find when you have an early start, it's because you did something great earlier on, right? Just that natural drive, that natural intelligence got you there. Yeah, well, thank you. I also think perseverance and look, we're all going to hit hurdles along the way. I could talk to you for a couple of hours about all the hurdles I put along the way, but it's just a matter of not giving up, staying true to that bigger vision and just proceeding, keep moving forward. The interesting thing about hurdles is that we love to hear from people who made it on the other side of the hurdle. It's like, tell us we can get there because like you said, we all go through them. But the fact that we know someone who made it through it, it's always a shining light. I think we're all making it through, right? We all experience challenges and hurdles every day. 
success is a moving target. I don't think anyone's fully ever made it. Once you get to a certain level, there's the next level that you have to level up to and challenges will happen every single day. And it's just a matter of having the mindset of no matter what comes my way, I can get through this. Just thinking about all your past successes and using that as leverage and confidence to know that no matter what comes your way, you can surpass whatever's in front of you. And that's confidence. That's confidence. You're working on smiles. You're working on empowering women. When you open cosmetic dental studios and you didn't really have the formal business plan, but you knew the direction you wanted to go, share with us a little bit more about that because that's very bold. Love to hear more about how that started. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too is not having fear around making bold decisions. And maybe it was being young enough to be naive and thinking, oh, this will be easy. <laughs> you know, helpful. it's very helpful to have that. <laughs> being naive and young can't be helpful in some cases. But, you know, when I graduated from dental school, I went out and worked as an associate, meaning I worked for another practice, another dentist. And what I found was the vision that I had for the way I wanted to practice and the way I wanted to do things wasn't really aligned with any of the places that I had been working. So I figured the only way to do this is to go out and create it on my own. So yes, like you had said, I didn't really have a business plan, but I did have a vision. And the way I started in answer to your question was really just with one patient, one day at a time building slowly. Things don't happen overnight. People do see a certain level of success at some point, but don't realize how many years and how much effort and how much time really goes into building things. So I think people should really understand that if they have a greater vision for their life and major goals, it's all attainable. It's all possible, but it all does take time. We see these instant successes on Instagram. We see everyone's highlight reel, but what a lot of people don't see is everything that it took to get there. I had a patient who is quite successful in the public eye. And he said to me one day, he's like, everyone sees the glory, but no one knows the story. And that really resonates because I think that's really true. Everything takes time. And that's how I built my practice was one day at a time, I literally started with one patient. And it's a constantly evolving vision too. I think as you progress, your vision will evolve. There's no real set end point because once you get to that point, you're going to have other ideas. Yeah. And I think you see more. In, to your point, it's like if we're thinking about practical advice for someone who may have a vision right now, what I'm hearing from you is that you start somewhere and then it's going to change because you'll see more as you get started. You won't see anything if you don't get started. If you take those steps, and like you said, you started with one patient. People see you today and they feel like, oh, they can't maybe even get an appointment with you, right? That one patient back then was where we all have to start, isn't it? Patient number one is still with me in my practice. Oh, I love that. Yes, I think you're totally right. As you move forward, your perspective shifts, the horizon changes, and you start to see other possibilities and other opportunities that perhaps you aren't even aware existed. So as you move along, your perspective changes for sure. Yeah. And your field in cosmetic dentistry, the first thing that comes to mind is a filter on social media to change the color of your teeth. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, how do you feel like social media has impacted your line of work over the years? Well, I can speak a lot about social media, not because I'm very active on it, because I do feel it's really shifted perspectives around and the narrative and the story around beauty and ideals, especially for young women and girls. 
some positive and some not so positive. I do think our standards of beauty have changed because of social media. We're all chasing perfection now. Cosmetic dentistry, many of my patients are women. And like I said, we deal with confidence and emotions and beautifying the smile and making people feel better about themselves. But I do find sometimes people come in with unrealistic goals. And like I said, we're chasing perfection when really perfection isn't beauty or beauty isn't perfection. We can take what we have, elevate it and become the best version of ourselves. So what I found with social media is that there are sometimes unrealistic expectations. I feel that the emphasis has been on appearance and surfacy things for young girls when really I think we need to dive deeper and know that you don't have to do certain things to have an impact in this world. You can have an impact with your mind. You can have an impact with the things you do. You could still look good, but that's not everything. And I think the emphasis with social media now, I'm a little bit concerned with how that's affecting the culture with young girls. And I think there is certainly maybe a positive and the positive might be that it does give us a voice. It gives us an outlet to talk about it. The folks who are talking about it on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a positive. There's so much more reach now. When you have a message, it can go across the world in a minute. So our impact can be that much greater with the right messaging. Definitely. Are you seeing trends right now in cosmetic dentistry? You're on both coasts. And I have yeah. to imagine, could be different from Beverly Hills to New York, what people are coming in for, what people are wanting. Is anything standing out to you right now? It's interesting. The two coasts are different, even just culturally. New York City tends to be more natural. And when patients come in for smile makeovers, they want something a little bit subdued. They don't want people to know that they've had veneers, right? Whereas in LA, that's not really the case. Everyone's looking for that Hollywood smile. So culturally, the two coasts are different. I do think overall, the trend is towards more natural. We're moving away from that chiclet smile, which was never my aesthetic anyway. But I do think the trend is to just establish harmony and symmetry to the entire face and really move away from that sort of fake look, that cookie cutter smile. You know, when patients come in and they bring me a photo of someone else's smile, I always explain this is not what we do. We're not trying to give you someone else's smile or make you a different person. We're trying to take what you have and really just elevate it and restore balance to the entire face. And that's so individual. It's a bespoke smile. That's what we do. It's sort of like when you go in for hair color or you go to your hairdresser and you're like, I want to look like this person and their hair. And they're like, yeah, but you can't because your hair is nothing like this. You will never look just like that person. I mean, it's it's that reminiscent of that. Exactly. And why would you want to look like someone else, right? Like we're all here to self-actualize, to really become the highest version of ourselves. The minute you try to be someone else is when you fail. Beautifully stated, be yourself and in your own smile, but improve it, improve it, <laughs> make it a beautiful one when you can. Right. And actually in line with that, when people ask me, you know, I have dentists that call my office and ask me, well, what did you do? How did you build your practice? How do you do this? And I'm very generous with the information I give, but I always say, you're going to find your own path. Everyone has their own path. What worked for me will not work for someone else, just as I recognize what works for others won't work for me in my business. So the idea of competition is really so outdated. There is very little competition because we're all so unique and it's just a matter of our way and our journey. Yeah. And so you touch on dentists calling you. So in your field, dentofacial aesthetics, 
What does that mean to anyone listening out there that has no idea? Yeah, dental facial aesthetics is really just designing the smile in a way that complements the entire face. Looking at the facial features, looking at your coloring, looking at your hair color, eye color, skin color, the shape of your features, and really designing a smile that fits all of that. Looking at the smile as part of the entire face. So the smile is a third of the face. So it's a really a big part of facial beauty when you think about it, but traditionally has always stood out as like a lone ranger in both the beauty field and also in the medical field too, right? So the mouth, really the gateway to overall health. It's really the gateway to facial beauty, in my opinion. It actually provides the support for the lower third of the face. So as we get older and as we age, we not only lose volume in our skin, I'm sure you've heard about that, losing elasticity, but we also lose volume in our teeth in this lower third. So by restoring the smile, we can restore the face and also take 15 years off. So a lot of what we do is not just dentofacial aesthetics, but also anti-aging dentistry. Anti-aging dentistry, I've honestly had never heard of that until we we were working together and reviewing what you're actually working on right now. I and mean, that's truly a new concept to me. And it makes sense. I mean, when you look at the before and after pictures of what you do, it's incredible. The women on your site do look 15 years younger. And I, I think about it as, you know, obviously skincare and maintenance with just the skin usually, never the mouth. So it's incredibly trailblazing, I think, in your industry. Yeah, exactly. So I'm debating whether to call it anti-aging or pro-aging. If you have any thoughts on that, you let me know. I'm still deciding which way to go here, but you're totally right. Like traditionally, we talk about skincare and hair care for anti-aging. Really, we don't talk about the mouth when the mouth is really the first place that aging shows up. It's the most used part of the body. We're talking, we're chewing, we have saliva that can have all sorts of effects on our teeth. And that's really one of the first places aging shows up. So by tackling that first, even before considering something like another aesthetic procedure, like a facelift or filler, you can be more conservative with the other things later you work on that foundation on those teeth that support that lower third of the face. You know, I think I'll officially weigh in. I'm going with pro-aging. <laughs> I'm casting my vote. We're going to change all of our, our entire website. <laughs> there you go. You know, it's so interesting. So I have a skincare company and I've been running into this and the trend apparently is getting away from the anti-part and focusing on something more positive. So this just came up for me recently as well. I've got to change a ton of copy everywhere. Pro-aging dentistry. We're going to change our whole... Yeah, I just... It makes me sound like a pro. Like I'm doing it on a pro level when I am making my smile better and reducing my age. So all of those things sound wonderful. Really, you're in the smile business, as you said. You're in the confidence business. And while people see it as very glamorous now... You really are still hyper-focused on your client that you want them to get extreme care. It's why your time is so limited because of what you guys do so well. So how do our listeners, if they're thinking about their own businesses, their own experiences in the market, how do we add that sparkle? What do you do to just make everything in your practice shine and make people really feel good? Yeah, I think to your point, I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. If you could believe that, I can't believe it. Even 20 years later, the focus is still on that patient experience one-on-one. -on -one. The way I built my practice 
was never with the intention to have this celebrity practice. That was never the end goal. It was really to provide the best experience for that patient, individualize, take care of that patient the way I would want to be taken care of or a family member would want to be taken care of, building that credibility. And then all the other things come. It really starts with that one-on-one patient experience. But yeah, to your point, it is definitely an individualized approach still. Yeah. And your results really matter. So if you're not spending your time and your talent and that experience, doesn't matter. If their smile isn't any better when they met you, no one's coming back anyway, right? I mean, you have to be great at what you do in addition and get the result they're looking for and maybe beyond their expectation. And that's what gets people coming back as well. Word spreads. Oh yeah. 100%. Meeting and exceeding expectations, providing the best experience you can. It's interesting, you know, we had a six-hour case yesterday. And no matter how many of these we've done in my office with my team, every single case has the same level of, you know, there's pressure. This has to be done perfectly. Patient has to be happy. We got to get this done in a certain time. We're working against the clock with the anesthesia. No matter how many times you've done it, there's still a certain level of pressure, still a certain expectation, and that never goes away, which is good because it keeps you performing at your best. And yes, excellence is everything. Getting that excellent result. Um making sure the patient's happy, making sure they're comfortable and walking away with a smile that they love. Do you feel like these high profile clients are giving you any additional pressure than when you first started maybe from when you were getting out of dental school and when you were performing, working with another dentist versus now to today? Do you feel any different? No, I I don't feel different. I think the more people you meet at any level, you realize people are just people no matter what level they're at. So there isn't really additional pressure if their patient is that a VIP. You want to make sure that patient is happy. You want to be sure you're always performing at your best. It doesn't matter if the patient is a VIP or not. We still have the same standard and the same pressure that comes along with getting them that excellent result. Yeah. I mean, teeth are teeth and in some ways, no matter what they do for a living or what their profession is. So I think it's a beautiful way to humanize it. I was leaving a football game or something once, and I remember some fans were waiting out by the entrance to see the guys leave after the game. And I remember thinking, they're just leaving work. And to me, I thought, imagine if a group of people were outside leaving my office when I leave late at night, just clapping for me and so excited for me. But in my mind, I just thought, wow, they're there watching these guys leave work. They're tired. They're ready to get home to their families. Maybe they're carrying their kids. You know, they're people. So you're right. It's a totally humanizing experience, even for me to see people at every level as a patient, because you realize everyone is just a person. We all wear these masks or have these jobs that we do every day. And then like you said, we go home at the end of the day, but we all have the same insecurities, fears, hopes, dreams. We're all people, right? Exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about mentorship. So when you were in dental school and you had to seek out mentors and seek out someone in your profession, what was that process like for you? Because I know there's a lot of people who may be in your shoes starting out or maybe be a little more progressed and 
need to reach out to others. So give us some background to that. Yeah, I think what was really instrumental in developing my skills around cosmetic dentistry was signing up for training programs. I found dentists that I admired and actually learned to admire them more during my training with them because I really saw what they did. I finally found a group of dentists that were so happy with what they did. I saw these amazing transformations they were making for people. And I really had the privilege of training with some of the, the country's best, best at what they do. And they really set a super high bar and a super high standard for the way things are done, not just clinically, how you treat patients. What is the culture of the practice? How do patients feel when they come in? How do you want them to feel when they leave? So just the gamut of A to Z, they really showed me that. So from a patient care perspective, that really helped. I just found as many training programs as I could. I did years and years and years of training after dental school because these things weren't really taught in dental school, right? You get your degree and now you begin your journey. And I think a lot of things, right? Like let's say you get your college degree or you get your master's or you get your PhD, right? So now the journey really begins. Now what do you want to do? So how do you find these mentors? You find people that you look up to and you contact them and you see if they can train you or mentor you. I have to say though, with the business part of it, a lot of that was trial and error, figuring it out as I went, really developing the type of business that was aligned with my values. So no matter how many mentors you have, you have to really learn how to make things your own. You know, they'll give you lots of gems and pearls along the way that you sort of string together, but ultimately it is very unique to you. You have to infuse your business, your personality, your values, your ideals. That's what makes a difference. That's what's going to get patients and clients to, to come see you. I love that. I love that. So On that note, we ask all of our guests to share a mentor moment, just a little tidbit of something that you learned along the way, some advice that may have shaped where you are today. Does anything come to mind? Well, one thing that comes to mind is when I started training in this field about 20 years ago, or every time I say that, it's hard. You take a step back when you say 20 years, you're like, you're counting, like, is it 15 or 20? Is it? Let's call it 15. Okay. I'm good with 15. Let me just shave five years off. But I remember when I started training, I was one of the few women in the class. And my mentor at the time for this particular program was a woman. And she is still one of the top female cosmetic dentists out there. It was mostly men in our class. And she mentored me. You know, we were the first ones done and all that. And it really taught me, you know, it's okay to break the mold. It's okay to step outside of what's normal or people are accustomed to. It's okay to do things that haven't been done before. So that was like one of my takeaways that I still think about being a female in what was and still somewhat is a male dominated field in some ways. Now, was she in the program with you or was she there before you and you were? She was already established. She had a practice down in Atlanta. She saw basically every year the sun from the south. That to me was a really important thing to see, knowing that she was the only female dentist that I've seen practice that way. So to me, that was really exciting. And not that I, it didn't click that moment, but it did click years later when things started to progress and change and evolve a little bit in my practice that, oh, look, this is possible. Really, I think a good mentor shows you what the possibilities are, what your possibilities and potentials might be, even if it's something they're not personally doing, but to really open your eyes to what maybe you're capable of that maybe you don't see yourself at the moment. It's nice when someone sees something in you or at least can draw something out of you. 
It's one way or the other. And it may, like you said, happen over time, which yours did. But look at where you are. You're almost following her shoes in some way, in your own path, in your own way. Almost. I honestly, like uh, people say that, like, I'm still working on it. We're still getting there. I think you don't ever hit a final point to success. You know, things are always evolving and moving and changing and shifting. And like we were talking about before, your perspective changes and the playing field changes. So you got to be highly adaptable and uh, just keep moving forward. You don't ever want to stop. Yeah. My motto is keep moving. Keep moving. Even if you're not sure of the exact direction you're going in, you have to keep moving. Someone the other day gave me a great analogy. Like you can't steer a parked car, right? So you can't move a car in any direction if you're in park. So whatever it is, just make a move forward. If it's not the right direction, you can easily shift or steer another way, you know, but the key is just to keep moving. You don't ever want to lose momentum or stop. I have to touch on the male-dominated industry because you mentioned in dental school there are mostly men. You've come into a field and disrupted it in your own way, and you have a light shining on your practice and what you do. What advice would you give to other women who were going through the same thing maybe in their own field? That's a good question. I think it's just a matter of being bold in your decisions. The word impossible is my least favorite word. If there's, if there's one word that I dislike the most in the English vocabulary, it is probably the word impossible. In fact, if anyone tells me something is impossible, it irks me. Yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, you're like, game on. I am going to figure this out. I can't tell you how many times I've been told that things are not possible. And I don't believe that anything is impossible. I think it's a matter of how can we do this? It's not can we, it's how can we? And can we make little steps towards that? And I think anyone in anyone's journey, if they're faced with you know, a potential obstacle or they're going against the grain or trying to break the mold. It's not a question of can you, but how are we going to? And what's the first smallest move I can make in that direction? It doesn't have to be a huge leap, but what's that one little step I can make towards my goal? Great advice, great advice. And Dr. B, you talk a little bit about, in some ways, the people around you are very important. Your practice, your clients, uh, I'm sure your friends, everyone around you is something that you really want to be a good person to. But that includes your community because you enjoy giving back. You do it globally. You're involved heavily in charity. That ethos that you have, where did that come from? And how can you encourage others to find it and practice it in their own fields? I think you have a great point there. Who we are as people is always the foundation of what we do not the other way around. And I mean what we do professionally. Who we are as people and really living in our values is really the foundation of how we practice, what we do. So it's really the core of how we do anything, right? That ethos of giving back has always just been a personal value of mine. And frankly, it is one of the core reasons why I push so hard for success is to be able to have a larger impact at some point. It is, of course, we all want a certain level of success for our own personal reasons. But for me, I think one of the biggest driving factors has always been to achieve a level of success where the impact can be greater, where I can live outside of myself on a larger scale. And we are working towards that, but having that, cultivating that as one of our core values and my own personal core value has really been one of the biggest driving factors for me. 
What's next for you? You're working on a new line of oral care. Yeah, we're working on it. I will tell you more once things are developed. Yeah, like we had said, there's always the next thing. That's always the question. What's next? You know, you're going to have your list of goals and you achieve, you check things off the list. I don't think anyone that's really ambitious or motivated will ever be happy at stopping. I think that list is never ending. I know I show you my phone with my list. I can show you. It is a running list of things to do every day. And every day, there's at least three new things that go on there. You know, um, I think that in our journeys where we're constantly thinking of new ideas and adding things to do, what's next? Continuing to grow my practice, working on other projects, thinking of ways to give back, continuing to take best care of my patients that I possibly can. And I'm shit in that, taking care of you too. You take care of everyone else. I hope you're spending some time on self-care. Rainy, 100%. That's one thing that I don't think we touched on, but I do believe that mental health, physical health are so, so key to professional success. I don't think that anyone without a sound mind and a calm mind can really achieve their fullest potential. So absolutely, I'm a huge advocate of meditation, quiet time, even if that means saying no to things. My social calendar has really dwindled way down these past couple of years. And that's uh, intentionally. Mm -hmm. Um, By design, I think we really just need to focus on things that bring us peace. And I really, really do believe, I'm glad you asked that question. I really do believe that mental health and having that clarity of mind and being able to think clearly and calmly and work well under pressure is so underrated. And we really need to take care of that skill that you can grow. People have their own innate level of calmness and ability to handle stress. But I do believe it's a muscle. It's something that we have some control over. Uh, So I am a meditator. I do have a lot of quiet time. I'm very careful about the commitments that I make socially. I don't really drink alcohol. I'm very careful with my health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, It's that quiet time that I savor the most when I think of mental health, because similar to you, it's like I love that idea generation and thinking. And if your mind's cluttered and if your lack of sleep or you're not feeling well from something, it just... I don't get excited about my ideas and that's disappointing. I feel like sometimes you can't be fully there and enjoying life if your body's nagging on you and telling you it needs something. Give it to it. I agree with you. My best ideas come after a good night of sleep, after I've had a lot of water, after I've meditated, after I've spent time alone, after I've spent time in nature. So that's when creativity happens is clarity. Clarity of mind, peace of mind is when all the creative processes start. I get so excited on vacations. A long plane ride is one of my favorite things because I can think and write things down. And it's like, I get so inspired being away that I'm almost busy generating ideas and working on something. It's fun though. I totally agree. So I go between New York and and I work the best on planes. I'm telling you, something about being that high up in the air, so inspirational, that's where I think the best. I always, I bring my laptop, I've got my notebook, I've got my pen. That is where all the ideas happen. I get so much of my work done. And I was just away at a conference for a week. And I'll tell you, like, it doesn't stop. That's when all the ideas start going, right? So it's when we give ourselves space to to think, because we're always so on. Roast- on. Yeah, on. <laughs> 
Our alarm clock goes off and we head to work and all that. But removing ourselves a little bit from our day to day, I think is so important, right? Like changing our scenery a little bit. Love it. Always say, change my landscape. That'll refresh my mind. One last question. So we ask our guests to text a friend, ask someone who you know what they might say about you because we've had the pleasure of chatting for a while. But did you have a minute to check in with anyone, anything that you wanted to share? You know what? I didn't. However, I can tell you, one of my best friends that I've known since I was, oh gosh, how old were we? Four, maybe. She did recently say, people don't know that you're kind of funny. My job is so serious. and There's a lot of taking care of other people. But I think that my friends would say that I do have a sense of humor, which I think is important to have, right? You can't take everything so seriously. I love that because... It's a small thing, but maybe even your team or some of your patients or just your public facade may not know. And so it's nice when you have people so close to you that can remind you about those little qualities that you feel like everyone should see it. You're like, how do you guys not see that I'm funny? It's nice to be reminded by someone close. But I think across the board, there's something about humor when brought into business or relating with clients or people makes you more relatable. In fact, I think I just read something, I don't know if it was Forbes or some sort of business journal that talked about humor in the workplace, especially for women, because women who are too, for instance, warm or nice in a workplace are not taken as seriously. However, humor is a way that, or wittiness, where you don't have to be overly warm can still be taken seriously and still be seen as relatable. So humor, especially for women, that kind of in-between of still being taken seriously and considered smart, not being overly warm. So it's kind of that sweet spot in the middle. So women have a little bit of your time in the workplace with being taken seriously and still not being perceived as one thing or another. But I did read that, especially for women, humor is kind of that sweet spot. Great tip. Make it the connector. Use your wit and your intelligence because it comes through in humor so often. Okay, Dr. V, where can everyone find you who needs you and wants to get to know more of you? Yeah, the best way is on Instagram. I know we talked all about social media. Our Instagram handle is drvictoriadds. It's drvictoriadds. And you can find all of our information there. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been a wonderful guest. I'm so excited to share this episode with everyone and and follow your journey as well. I mean, you are uh, doing some remarkable things. It's very, very exciting. Thanks, Rainy. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I hope you'll walk away feeling inspired and are thinking of how a mentor moment can help you or someone you know. In case you haven't hit the follow button to subscribe to this show, please do so. And if you love the episode, I'd really appreciate a review. You see, this review helps Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to us on know that other women just like you want to learn about the show and it'll help us spread the word. Let's connect on Instagram at Working Women Mentor or at Rainy Alfers. You can find all episodes online at rainyalfers.com forward slash podcast and the ability to send an audiogram of your favorite mentor moments. And we respond to everyone. I truly can't wait to hear from you. Check back weekly for new episodes and cheers until the next episode. <laughs>